Good morning, everybody, and welcome to January the 2nd in 2020 on When I Rise. We're in year A, or the second Sunday of Christmas, and on Thursdays we always tackle the New Testament text, and so I'll be covering a passage from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3-14, through where we must pay attention to the pronouns. So I'll read that passage for us this morning, and then we'll spend some time praying along the themes, and uh, we will start our day facing God and embracing all that He has for us today. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's all pray together. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Praise be to the Lord and God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, and to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be the pr- for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God for us. All right, all right. What can we say? What can we say about Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14? Well, first of all, this is a long run on sentence. I remember 100 out of 100 papers in literature and grammar class and college papers. There would always be a red mark uh, in notes from my professors. This is before we turned it in online and they actually wrote on real papers that we turned in. Uh, They would say that I used too many run on sentences. And so I felt great comfort when I realized that this letter from Paul to the Ephesian church is a bunch of run-on sentences. And so I thought, well, Paul is my brother from another mother. Um, What can we say? Ephesians uh, is a book uh, written to a church that has both Jews and Gentiles. Once again, those who are a part of the nation of Israel and those who are not. Gentiles is that junk drawer term uh, for all the people outside of Israel. And so uh, Paul is trying to address a great big plan that includes both types of people. And you can cut Ephesians in half. One through three is a long winding theological argument of how God in his one story is putting all peoples together. And then chapters four through six is the practical outworking of so what what shall we do then with all of this in mind? And so it's important for us that we read Ephesians to keep in mind Paul's Jewishness and also Paul's uh, Paul's clever endeavor of trying to be a Christian theologian and Christian pastor. So every time that you see our and us, you should hear Paul speaking from his Jewishness. Um, So in the first several verses, 
Um, Paul talks about how this uh, one plan of God was applied to him as a Jew. You look in verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So he's saying the story of the people of Israel is that God chose them as unique people, Abraham's family, uh, to be his uh, special people, to be carriers of both the promise and the vocation, to reflect God into God's creation. And uh, God had to rescue them. And this rescue has been uh, brought to its climax in Jesus Christ. And you'll notice in uh, verse 12, he says, In order that we, once again speaking of his Jewishness, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. So Paul's saying there was a first, like like a first phase. And it wasn't like start and stop, first phase over. It like the first chapter of this story was God was doing a unique work in the nation of Israel. He needed to judge Israel for the way it defaulted on its vocation, um, but also restore it through the grace of Christ. And so that's what we see is one part of the, bro- uh, the uh, gospel proclamation is that God did not abandon the Jews, but he brought their story to fulfillment. But then there's a pivot. There's a pronoun change. Verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. And so Paul's saying, we and us, speaking of his Jewishness, and then you also, speaking of the Gentiles, he's saying we're all together. We were included. This one story of the Jews was not abandoned by God, but he brought it to fulfillment in Christ. And then those who were not of the nation of Israel, they were also included in the same story. And so Paul is working so hard, both theologically and pastorally, for the unity of the church. Those thought inside and those thought outside are now inside in one body of Christ. So what I'd love to do today is to pray for the unity of the church. Wouldn't it be great that even though our culture, I'm speaking of an American, is recognizing the uh, the political picture ahead, uh, which will be heavily divided. Uh, I mean, this impeachment thing is going to kick off again. And it's going to be heavily partisan once again. Wouldn't it be great like if the church was an advanced model of what unity would look like? I want to pray for that because that takes guts to live in unity. And Paul is risking his life in the New Testament for the sake of the unity of the church. Therefore, it should be one of our values as well. So I'm going to pray for unity this morning as we approach God and allow our souls to rise to meet God this morning in prayer. Lord God, as we face today, we thank you that you have included us in Christ and we thank you for the ramifications of the Apostle Paul's message here is that you did not give up on an ancient story and you reworked that story or you unveiled that the mystery of the story was that for another whole group of people to be included in that one story. And so God, I thank you that you're the God who sticks to it. You sticks to your promises, that you stick with your story all the way to the end. And I think that you're the including God. You offer grace and mercy to all those who call upon the name of the Lord, that all of us can be saved. And so God, I pray for a vision of unity in the life of the church. I think that Jesus had this on his mind as he spent his last hours with his disciples before being arrested, um, before he was crucified. He wanted all of his body to be one. And that he said that the people of God, or the people of the world will know that who the people of God are because that we love one another. God, you tell us to love one another as you have loved us. And so God, I pray that there would be just an awakening of unity in the body of Christ today. I pray that you'd baptize us 
and a desire and a craving to be people of unity. I pray that we'd forgive one another, that we'd be eager to reconcile and restore, that we would not consider our own needs, but to consider the other's needs around us uh, so that we might be able to be a servant of all like you are a servant of all. So God, I pray this day that you would awaken us to the beauty of being in life together. I think that there is no me without we. And so God, I pray that uh, you would give me the grace, that you give all those who pray this morning the grace to extend relationship and fellowship to all those around us. I pray that we'd be able to rise above what seems to be uh, categorical and social differences in our culture and allow one body of Christ to be one body of Christ. God, I pray that we'd be able to recognize the diverse functions of all the body of Christ, that we would recognize people's gifts and that we would celebrate gifts because it's the one spirit working in all of us. And so God, I pray that from the north and the south and the east and the west, that you draw all people to your table and that we would call each other brother and sister, that we'd love one another, that we'd restore gently, that we would exhort one another with all grace and that we would be a great body of Christ that is proclaiming the good news of Christ to the ends of the earth. And so God, awaken your church with unity in 2020. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.